This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to episode 33 of Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. We're living in a dangerous time, and by we, I mean us, the Jews living in the United States. Make no mistake about this. Joe Biden's victory may yet come back to haunt us in a way far different than the one imagined by the 30% of Jews who voted for President Trump. Misguided 30% as far as I'm concerned, but you all know my thinking on that already. What concerns me now is that within hours of watching the electoral tide turn against him, Trump lit a fuse that has the potential to blow up in our Jewish faces. We need to be aware of that, and we need to find ways to deal with it. And so the topic for this week is, Beware Trump's Incendiary Post-Election Words. As I did last week, I apologize to the readers of my column in the Jewish Standard, but this is far too important not to disseminate as widely as possible. There's more information here than in the column, by the way, so even if you've read it, keep listening, please. According to one pre-election survey, most Jewish voters say they feel less secure than they did four years ago. And there's good reason why. As I've noted at other times, almost from the moment Trump announced his candidacy in 2015, anti-Semitic acts in the United States began to go up dramatically, with the perpetrators of those acts crediting Trump's tweets and his spoken words for giving them the green light to pursue their hate. These people, by the way, make up a significant segment of Trump's space. With each year since 2015, the number of anti-Semitic acts has steadily climbed upward. According to the ADL, there were 12% more anti-Semitic acts in 2019 than there had been in 2018. Quote, with a disturbing 56% increase in assaults, unquote. Even more frightening, the ADL said. Its annual audit, quote, found there were, on average, as many as six anti-Semitic incidents in the United States for each day in the calendar year, the highest level of anti-Semitic activity ever recorded by ADL, unquote. Among the over 2,100 incidents reported in 2019 were 919 incidents of vandalism and 61 incidents of assault. Those assaults resulted in 90 people being physically harmed in some way and in five people being killed. Not only were there an average of six anti-Semitic incidents for each day of 2019, there were reported incidents in every one of the contiguous 48 states and the District of Columbia. Ranking the highest were New York with 430 incidents, New Jersey with 345, and California with 330, and with Massachusetts at 114 and Pennsylvania at 109, completing the top five. Together, those five states accounted for nearly 45% of the total number of incidents last year. There were a whole lot of reasons for this trend, but the re-emergence from the shadows of the white supremacist movement heads the list. Beginning on late Saturday afternoon, after Joe Biden was pronounced the winner by media outlets, these were among the most visible participants in so-called Stop the Steal protests around the country. And some of them even came visibly armed. 
With Trump out of the White House, they're going to have to retreat back into the shadows. So they're clearly angry. And it may not take much for them to turn violent. If they do, Jews will be among their preferred targets. As it is, anti-Semitism was already playing an ugly role even as the election was ongoing. In the words of a study published on November 2nd in MIT Technology Review, quote, anti-Semitic narratives have become a core strategy for some groups, unquote. The author, staff writer Tate Ryan Mosley, noted, for example, that on June 12th, a new channel called Black Lives Matter Global cropped up on an encrypted messaging platform called Telegram. According to Ryan Mosley, the channel was, quote, rife with anti-Semitic rhetoric that was shared in many white supremacist groups on Telegram, unquote. Some of the material even ended up on Facebook. Florida, for one, was inundated, quote, with disinformation this election, particularly targeted toward Hispanic voters, unquote. Much of it, Ryan Mosley noted, was anti-black and anti-Semitic. A Miami-based Spanish station, Radio Caracol, ran a 16-minute segment suggesting that a Biden victory would lead to a dictatorship run by, quote, Jews and blacks, unquote. That threat clearly resonated with Radio Caracol's audience, according to how the Latino vote broke down in Florida. Then there are the conspiracy theorists. As one example, Ryan Mosley noted that a week after it was reported that Michael Bloomberg had donated $250,000 to help boost Biden's support among Jewish voters in Florida, the Highlands County Republican Party, no less, began running ads on Facebook accusing Bloomberg and the liberal philanthropist George Soros of trying to buy the election in that state. In Virginia, meanwhile, a conservative group, American Action News, with over a million followers on Facebook, ran an ad there on October 26th with a picture of Soros and this caption, quote, Burn it down. Soros planning nationwide chaos if Trump wins, unquote. And that brings us to Trump, his rhetoric, and his tweets. As he's been doing since mid-2015, the president relies on so-called dog whistles to fire up his base. As defined by Merriam-Webster, a dog whistle is, quote, a coded message communicated through words or phrases commonly understood by a particular group of people, but not by others, unquote. Jewish law has another name for it, Lashon Hara, evil speech. And as our sages of blessed memory pointed out nearly two millennia ago, Lashon Hara, evil speech, can kill. In his somewhat rambling discourse a week ago Thursday night, Trump repeatedly played into the kind of hate-filled falsehoods that drive the white nationalists by twice referring to, quote, powerful special interests, unquote, and once referring to, quote, Wall Street bankers, unquote, both of which are white nationalist code words for Jews in general and George Soros in particular. Trump also blamed, quote, historic election interference from big media, big money, and big tech, unquote, in the vote count. All three are also code words for Jews. 
Let's unpack those three terms, beginning with big media. Jew haters have long insisted that the Jews own the media. In 2016, for example, the website Real Jew News featured a rant headlined, quote, Who owns the Trump attacking media, unquote, which concluded with the observation that, quote, the Jew-owned press wants Trump dumped, unquote. Such rants have been echoed repeatedly during the 2020 campaign. The current frontman for Jewish control of the media is former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Even Texas Senator Ted Cruz promoted this nonsense. As one of his tweets in February demonstrated, quote, It's almost as if he owns the media, unquote, Cruz said of Bloomberg, which prompted swift condemnation from the ADL and others, by the way. Then there's big money. The phrase almost always refers to Soros and or the Rothschild family, and by extension, all Jews. According to the ADL, in just over four days in May, anti-Soros tweets jumped from about an average of 20,000 a day to over 500,000 a day. According to the London-based Institute for Strategic Dialogue, anti-Soros messages also spiked on Facebook that month. There were 68,746 mentions of Soros in May. That was over 30,000 more posts than had appeared in October 2018, which was the previous record holder for anti-Soros posts. Last January, there was even a tweet that went viral that bizarrely claimed that Soros was behind the COVID-19 pandemic. It claimed that he owned the lab in Wuhan, China, and that his lab developed and then released COVID-19 into the world. Soros doesn't own any labs in China, and the claim that a Chinese lab deliberately produced and released this deadly virus has been debunked time and again since January, even though Trump keeps calling it the China virus. Playing into the Soros conspiracy theory was Michael Caputo. Caputo was a senior advisor to Trump's 2016 campaign. In April, Trump appointed him as Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs at the Department of Health and Human Services. You don't get appointed to any government post without being thoroughly vetted. So the White House had to be aware that only weeks before his appointment, meaning in late March, Caputo was claiming that Soros was behind the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, he tweeted that Soros's quote, political agenda requires a pandemic, unquote. Requires was in all caps. As the Jewish Telegraphic Agency's Ron Campius reported in April after Caputo's appointment, only days before he was named, quote, Caputo tweeted a photo of Soros caption, the real virus behind everything, unquote. Caputo also added skulls and crossbones to the photo for emphasis. Then there's the Rothschild family. Also in March, before his appointment, Caputo tweeted that the economist David Rothschild was, quote, an inbred elitist sphincter whose family craves control, unquote. That this Rothschild is not one of those Rothschilds is something Caputo apparently didn't know or didn't care about, period. Back to Soros. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the QAnon soon-to-be member of Congress, 
who had Trump's enthusiastic backing, has posted that, quote, Soros funds the destruction of America by supporting BLM, Antifa, fake news media, the true enemy of the American people, unquote. BLM stands for Black Lives Matter. Soros also is one of, quote, the puppet masters that fund this global evil, unquote, Green posted. Puppet masters and global evil are terms that invoke the notorious 19th century anti-Semitic Russian fraud, the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, which continues to be popular among the world's Jew haters, even though everyone knows it's a fraud. Most frightening, though, is former House Speaker Newt Gingrich's comment on Fox News just this past Sunday, in which he openly accused Soros of financing the stealing of the election from Trump. Gingrich called the results of the election, quote, a left-wing power grab financed by people like George Soros, deeply laid in at the local level, and frankly, I think that it's a corrupt, stolen election, unquote. Aside from the fact that Republicans did rather well overall in the election except for Trump, what makes this so frightening is that Trump himself called attention to Gingrich's comments in several tweets later that day. Here's another Soros connection. Michigan is one of the states Trump claims was riddled with election fraud. In many of its counties, votes were tabulated using machines manufactured by a company called Dominion Voting Systems. At least 29 other states also use Dominion Systems. According to thousands of social media posts, the machines in Michigan were programmed to convert votes for Trump into votes for Biden. The charge is false. It was proven false several times in the last 10 days, and a court even threw out a Republican challenge based on it. There was a reporting error coming from one Trump-leaning county that showed Biden ahead at one point. But that error was made by a county clerk, was found within minutes of it being made, and was immediately corrected. Trump, in fact, carried the county by a comfortable margin. As Michigan's Secretary of State put it, quote, the equipment and software did not malfunction and all ballots were properly tabulated, unquote. As the clerk of the county in question told the Associated Press, quote, there was no malice, no fraud here, just human error, unquote. That hasn't stopped the posts and the false reporting on extreme right-wing media sites. Dominion, they claim, is a part of the Soros empire. And so is Michigan's Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. When she ran for the post in 2018, four Republicans battled it out to run against her. All four insisted that Soros was bankrolling Benson's campaign. As one of them, State Senator Cameron Brown, put it in 2018, quote, most of Benson's contributions come from out of state and from George Soros, unquote. In other words, Soros's puppet Secretary of State installed voting machines produced by a Soros company that were programmed to turn Trump votes into Biden votes. For the record, Dominion is not part of the Soros empire. Benson is not in Soros's pocket. As she put it, he probably wouldn't even know her if he bumped into her. And as I noted a moment ago, the one county in which the reporting error was made and quickly corrected was won by Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. 
Why have I spent so much time on George Soros? It's because anti-Soros tweets, including by the likes of Ann Coulter, Florida Republican Representative Matt Goetz, and even Donald Trump Jr., prompted the October 27, 2017 massacre at Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. The tweets claimed that Soros was funding an immigrant caravan coming from Honduras that Trump had been railing about. The person who carried out that massacre has himself said the tweets prompted him to kill Jews. Tweets are no laughing matter. Tweets can kill. Tweets have killed. Finally, Trump mentioned big tech as also being responsible for stealing the election. Big tech boasts such names as Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, Sergey Brin, Google, Max Levchin, PayPal, Jeff Weiner, LinkedIn, Devin Wenig, eBay, Andrew Mason, Groupon, and several score other prominent techie Jews. As of this broadcast, Trump has yet to concede. Nevertheless, his tweets and post-election rants are out there for all to see, read, and hear. Sooner or later, his white nationalist supporters will want to pay back those who were responsible for Trump losing, and Trump already has told them who their targets should be, quote, big media, big money, and big tech, unquote, meaning any Jew they come across. We're already seeing signs of potential payback on social media. In New York on Tuesday, for example, FBI agents arrested a 54-year-old Staten Island man for, quote, threatening to kill and ordering others to kill protesters, politicians, and law enforcement in retaliation for the 2020 U.S. presidential election, unquote, according to a complaint filed by the government. The man allegedly made his threats last Saturday after news organizations called the election for Biden. Among those posts was this one, quote, soapbox, ballot box, that was fraudulently stolen from us, now cartridge box, unquote, reference to bullets or cartridges. He also posted this, quote, the Turner Diaries must come to life. We blow up the FBI building for real. All the alphabet agencies' assassination will become the new normal now that the electoral process is finished, unquote. For those who've never heard of the Turner Diaries, it's a 1978 novel that tells of the overthrow of the federal government and ends with the extermination of non-whites, including especially the Jews. The epilogue concludes with the statement that, quote, just 110 years after the birth of the Great One, meaning Adolf Hitler, the dream of a white world finally became a certainty, and the order would spread its wise and benevolent rule over the earth for all time to come, unquote. It should come as no surprise that the book is popular with white nationalists and neo-Nazis, and it's been cited as their inspiration for numerous acts of terrorism, including the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. At one point in his post-election rants, the man arrested on Tuesday singled out, quote, the Jew senator from Jew York, unquote, an obvious reference to Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. According to federal prosecutors, the man also posted this, quote, the time has now passed for patriots 
to stop being on the defensive. Defensive action is a position of weakness. We must take offensive action starting now. All of you know what that is, unquote. He wasn't the only one calling for violence, though. Last week, for example, Wang Holland, at the time the police chief of Marshall, Arkansas, cited Trump's vote-rigging claims and posted this charmer, quote, Death to all Marxist Democrats. Take no prisoners. Leave no survivors, unquote. Holland was forced to resign after admitting that he was the author of those posts. Then there's Trump's former strategist, Steve Bannon. He's now been permanently banned from Twitter after posting a video broadcast in which he called on Trump to execute, to execute Dr. Anthony Fauci and FBI Director Christopher Wray by chopping off their heads, said Bannon, quote, I'd put the heads on pikes, unquote. He posted that before the November 3rd election. Two days after the election, Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones, a Democrat who had endorsed Trump, told a rally with Donald Trump Jr. standing by that, quote, we're starting now to see the white in their eyes and we're getting ready to start shooting, unquote. That was a reference to the command issued by Colonel William Prescott at the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775. Said Prescott, quote, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes, unquote. What's scary about this is that Jones is not a white supremacist. He's black. There can be no doubt what Jones was actually telling the crowd. There also is no doubt where Trump Jr. stood on that inference. Later that day, he urged his father on Twitter, quote, to go to total war over this election to expose all of the fraud, cheating, dead no longer in state voters that has been going on for far too long, unquote. Don't just go to court, daddy, he was saying. Go to war. Total war. Actual violence may have been thwarted in Philadelphia while the counting of mail-in ballots was underway. Police there responded to a tip from the FBI that an armed group was headed to the city from Virginia, bent on disrupting the count. Two men were subsequently arrested near the Pennsylvania Convention Center where the mail-in votes were being counted. The men were armed with Beretta handguns and an AR-15-style assault rifle with a missing serial number, and ammunition for those weapons was found in the Hummer that they were driving. The men have been linked to far-right groups affiliated with a Virginia Republican Governor Hopeful and Trump backer, State Senator Amanda Chase. Trump's post-election rhetoric and tweets have been filled with dog whistles, and there are reports that he may be preparing to hold campaign-style super-spreader rallies to further incite his base. Dog whistles are classic Lashon Hara, evil speech, and Lashon Hara can kill. We saw that at Tree of Life. We saw that when nationalist rabbis in Israel classified the late Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin as a rodev, a pursuer out to kill someone, which led to his assassination 25 years ago, a week ago last Wednesday. Psalm 120, verses 3 and 4 state, quote, What can you profit? What can you gain, O deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with hot coals of broomwood, 
unquote. A commentary by the 18th century scholar Rabbi David Altschuler explained it this way, A warrior's arrows kill from a distance, quote, So too do you, who speaks Lashon Hara, kill someone standing at a distance, unquote. We may be the ones standing at a distance. We're living in a dangerous time. Make no mistake about this. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I hope you come back for my next podcast. And I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shammai.org 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 and email me, please. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy, stay safe, and take a moment to pray for our country.